I want to deal with a subject this morning that that I deal with on a regular basis in the ministry. In fact, a lot of the problems that I deal with in counseling, my wife and I, have their origin in this subject that I'm going to share with you today. Many of the problems we deal with are really just byproducts of, of this one issue, and it's anger. I want to talk to you about anger. I'm going to try not to make you mad talking about anger. <laughs> talking about anger. We're going to talk about anger a little bit. First of all, uh, let's define it and describe it uh, if we can in some simple terms. Um, first of all, definition, uh, anger is a feeling of great annoyance or agitation or antagonism as a result of some real or supposed grievance. It could also be defined as rage or wrath. Let me describe. Anger, while it's a normal emotion, it has a wide range of intensity from mild to irritation and frustration all the way up to rage. It's a reaction to a perceived threat to ourselves, to our loved ones, to our property, to our self-image, or to some part of our identity. When you try to detail uh, anger and especially look at its uh, outgrowth and what comes from it, there are three components that always stand out. First of all, there is the physical reaction. Anger causes a physical reaction inside of us. Usually it starts out with a rush of adrenaline uh, and responses such as increased heart rate, increased blood pressure, uh, tightening of the muscles, often known as the fight or flight syndrome. Have you heard of that? When you get backed in a corner and uh, you, you, your body prepares to react. You're either going to come out swinging or you're going to run. Then there's the cognitive experience, what goes on in the brain, in your thought processes, how we perceive or think about what's making us angry. For example, we might think that something has happened to us that's, that's wrong or unfair or undeserved. And I might say this, if you live long enough, something is going to happen to you that's unfair or unjust. That's just the world we live in. That's just reality. We have to deal with it. But then there's the behavioral responses to anger. There's a wide range of behavioral responses that uh, signal off this anger. We, we may look or sound angry. Some people turn red when they get angry. See anybody that gets red in the face? You know they're getting angry. Our voices raise sometimes in tone level and many times in volume. Um, Some folks clam up. Some people slam doors, storm away, or otherwise signal to others that they're angry. We may also state that we're angry and ask for a timeout or request an apology or ask for something to change. Let's look at how anger affects us, both our, our health and also our relationships. I want to look first of all at physical effects of anger. Anger triggers that body fight or flight syndrome that I mentioned a while ago. 
and the adrenaline glands start working over time, and they flood the body with stress hormones and um, hormones such as adrenaline and cortisol. And the brain suddenly shunts into the bloodstream uh, these hormones and, and take away from the digestive system. So uh, you're actually, when you're angry, you're calling on the body to respond at the expense of other parts of your body during that time that you're angry. Um, blood pressure, as I mentioned a while ago, and heart rate, all these things raise, and your respiration increases, your body temperature raises, your, your skin perspires. There's all sorts of things. And, and then there are health problems that are created by anger. Um, the constant flow of these stress chemicals into your system uh, causes metabolic changes that uh, recur when uh, anger is unmanaged and can eventually harm many different systems of your body. Some, some are short-term, some are long-term. I'll just give you a few. This is not an exhaustive list, but it can cause you to have headaches, cause you to have digestive problems and abdominal pain, can cause insomnia, can cause increased anxiety, can cause depression, can cause high blood pressure, can cause skin problems like eczema and psoriasis and others. And then it can also cause heart attacks and strokes. There have been people who have gotten so angry that they've actually died. I mean, you know, their heart couldn't take it. Or they had a stroke that, that paralyzed them for the rest of their lives just because they didn't control their anger. Not only does it have a harmful effect on our physical body, it has a harmful effect on our relationships. Anger outbursts cast negative feelings to all those around us. And at the very least, your anger can cause people to feel put off or upset or intimidated or afraid or a handful of other unpleasant emotions. And you're actually running the risk with anger of destroying relationships and pushing loved ones away from you completely out of your life for good. Can't tell you through the years how many marriages I've seen destroyed because of anger. How many relationships in families between parents and kids that are destroyed because of anger. And uh, how many jobs I've seen lost because somebody couldn't handle their emotions and they blew off on the job and consequently severed the relationship that would keep them employed. And you could go on and on and on and on. I've just given you a little bitty capsule of information this morning. And by the way, this comes from the American Psychological Association. And while I know you didn't come this morning for a, for a, a lesson in psychology, you came for a sermon. I want to take you to the Bible because the Bible has a lot to say about this subject. So for a text today, I'm going to take you to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 26 and 27, then I'm going to drop down to verses 31 and 32. Follow me if you will. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Now dropping down to verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 
and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. What does the Scripture really say about anger? From these Scriptures that I've read to you, it looks as though there could be a contradiction. So I ask the question, is there a contradiction? And of course, the answer is no. The Bible does not contradict itself. When you see what you perceive to be a contradiction, then you need to just keep digging and keep studying because you will discover when it's all fleshed out that the Bible is very clear and it's not contradicting itself at all. But from the text that I read to you, I read, uh, here's what appears to be a contradiction. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. You, the understood subject, be angry, but don't sin. But then in verse 31, it says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Now, is, is Paul contradicting himself? Is Paul saying, be angry and, be, and, and don't be angry? And, and in the same chapter, in the same context, we're not talking about two different times, preaching sermons two different places and dealing with two different congregations. No, Paul right here is almost in the same sentence because Paul draws these sentences way out, you know. And, and in just a few verses from each other, he's saying, be angry, and then he's saying, don't be angry. What, what do we make of that? Well, let me try to help you to understand by reminding you that the New Testament was written in Greek, and then later we translated it into English. Now, in the Greek, oftentimes there are more descriptive words than what we have in the English to relate them to. For example, the word love, we, we cover a lot with that word, don't we? Well, in the Greek, it's broken down into a number of words. I'll just give you three. One word is phileo. That's a friendship kind of love. The city of Philadelphia, for example, is called the city of brotherly love. And the word Philadelphia comes from phileo. It's a, it's a friendship kind of love. So you should be able to go to Philadelphia and find a friend. It's a friendly city. Um, it was originally, anyway. I, I hope it still is. I haven't been there in a while. Then there is eros, which talks about physical love. And then there's agape, which is a God kind of love. And there, there are other words for love as well. We don't have that in the English We've got like and we got love. And I hear people say things, boy, I love French fries. You, you can't love French fries. I, I'm, I'm just sorry, you know. Ladies will say, I love that blouse or I love that pocketbook or I love those shoes. You can't love shoes. I mean, some of you really try, but but but. <laughs> You can't love shoes. I'm sorry. But, but we don't have anything to go between. You, you better than like. You know, you don't just like them. It's more than that. So you just go to the next word, which is love. And it's an improper definition. 
So that's what we're stuck with. Well, let me tell you, just like there are several words in the Greek that says love, there are, there are more than one word, in fact, several words in the Greek that we translate into the English as anger. And these two words in this chapter come from two totally different words in the Greek. The, when Paul said, be angry, the Greek word here is orgizo, which means, and I'll read to you from um, W.E. Vining's Expository Dif Dictionary of New Testament Words, right here it, it actually means to be angry within oneself, and it's an anger that we have towards an injustice, not the kind of anger that you have towards another person. You understand what I'm saying? So it's, it's totally different here. Fuller meaning and implication is that we see injustice and we become angry within ourselves about the situation or we become frustrated maybe because we haven't done enough or, and it drives us. When Jesus got angry with what was going on in the temple, he didn't just grab a whip. He sat down and made that whip. It took him quite a while. He knew what he was going to do. His anger was because his heavenly father's house had been desecrated. And, and he had a, the, the anger that he felt was, was for the protection of God's honor and God's glory and God's worship in his house. He didn't just fly mad at those people. This was something. That, and, and so he, within himself, started moving forward to do what he could to make some positive change. Let me go to the Amplified, and I think it will help you with this particular scripture. They're going to put it on the screen. I want you to look at this. Here's what Paul said. Be angry at sin, at immorality, at injustice, at ungodly behavior, yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. And do not give the devil opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. You see what he's saying here? When the, the kind of godly frustration at things that are unjust, deal with them. Deal with them quickly. And don't keep harboring and frustrating and pulling them inside. Get do what you're going to do before the sun goes down. In other words, don't carry that over into the next day. Deal with it and, and go forward. Now, the other anger that is in chapter 4, verse 31, when Paul says, don't be angry, the word is orge, which talks about a violent passion. Let's look at this from the Amplified as well. Verse 31. Uh, and they're going to put that up. It said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, which is perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault finding, and slander be put away from you along with every kind of malice, all spitefulness and all verbal abuses. Get, get rid of that, in fact. And then verse 32 said, be kind and helpful to one another, tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another, readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Paul said, 
don't, don't give vent to that violent passion or that rage that wants to come out because of whatever. And notice, boy, he couples this with a lot of horrible things like uh, uh, bitterness and wrath and clamor and strife and fault-finding and slander and, and malice and spitefulness and verbal abuse. A lot of stuff goes along with that anger right there. That's the kind Paul said, as Christians, we got to get over that. As Christians, we got to get beyond that. As Christians, we've got to stop giving vent to that because it has a horrible negative result. Now, a while ago, I told you about some of the physical effects, and I talked to you about mentally what it can do to you, and I talked about relationally what it can do to you. But let, let's take it to its extreme. You remember I've talked to you before about um, going to the, the, the law of first mention. In other words, go find where it's first mentioned in the Bible and see what it says about it. Well, to find where anger is first mentioned, you've got to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. In fact, you've got to go to chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 3 through 8. You'll recognize this right off. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what's right, sin is crouching at your door. It's desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. First mention of anger. And anger taken to its extreme results. It appears in this situation that Cain became angry as a result of jealousy. Both of them brought an offering to the Lord. The Lord accepted one because the offering that Abel offered followed the prescribed method that God desired. Cain jerked together some vegetables and brought an offering to the Lord, and it didn't impress God. And so then, instead of Cain correcting his own error, he became jealous at his brother. Now, isn't it interesting that, that he didn't, you know, if you just do a cursory reading through this, or maybe you hadn't read it in a long time, you may think that they brought their offering, the Lord accepted one, rejected the other, so Cain just went out and killed his brother Abel. No, 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 no. There was an intervention from God himself before that. God came to Cain and said, what's wrong with you? I see a, a difference in your countenance. Why are you downcast? What are you angry about? And then God made a statement to him about doing the right thing and being accepted and not doing the right thing and being rejected. So it's not Abel's fault. 
God was trying to correct Cain from his incorrect behavior when it came to his worship. And he resisted it. He didn't even listen to God. You would think if God came to you and said, whoa, uh, you'd, you'd, you'd turn around and think twice. But Cain's anger was un, he did not control it. I, I hesitate to use uncontrollable because unless you're demon-possessed, you can control your anger. And I'll show you that in a few minutes. Um, but, but he didn't control his anger. He allowed his anger to go to its furthest extent to result in murder. Didn't Jesus tell us in the New Testament that when you harbor hatred against your brother, that you're committing murder in your heart? You see, what, what Jesus is saying is, if, if you harbor this anger and this hatred and these horrible feelings in your heart, it will lead you to a destructive end, and it's just like murder. You may not take a stick of wood and beat somebody to death, but you'll murder their character, or you'll do anything you can do to see them come down and bring them down. And so it's, it's murder. Anger, anger if it's not dealt with, anger if it's not controlled, is a destructive force. You've got to get a hold of it. In fact, look what God said to, to Cain. This is so important. He, God said to Cain, Cain, when you're angry, sin is crouching at your door. Did you see that a while ago when I read the Scripture? He said, sin is crouching at your door. Sin is ready to pounce on you. Now, the devil, the devil may not be the source of, of all anger. You may have a normal reaction and a frustration and so forth. But if you don't control it, when, when the devil sees you getting angry, when he sees your face turning red, when he sees your muscles tightening, when he sees your neck bulging, when he sees your eyes glaring, and he hears your voice getting animated, he is crouching just waiting and looking for an opportunity to get in that situation and cause destruction. And he'll jump in there in a heartbeat if you let him. And God said, that's, that's what's happening. So, so then God gave him the way out. He told me, he said, sin's crouching at the door. But he said, you've got to rule over that. You've got to rule over that. In other words, you've got to take authority over that. I, I'm, I'm trying to help you this morning, church. We're, we're believers. We're, we're in the body of Christ. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus. We're the body of Christ on this earth. We're his representation on this earth. And God said, we need to take authority over those feelings and those actions and not let the devil get an advantage of us when these things are happening. Now, I want to give you some unhealthy ways that people deal with anger. First of all, they're what we call angry explosions. Some people have very little control, or I should say exercise very little control over their anger, and they tend to just explode in rages. Have you seen people like that? They just go off like a time bomb and, and uh, pick up the pieces. 
These, these raging anger episodes lead to physical abuse and violence. A person who doesn't control his temper can isolate themselves from family and friends. Some people who fly into rages have low self-esteem and they use their anger as a way to manipulate others and control others. Maybe you need to deal with your own identity. Maybe you need to deal with your own low self-esteem because if you're having to use anger to manipulate and control, and you and I have both seen people who do exactly that. They control everything around them with their anger. Have you, have you ever had anybody tell you, don't, don't, don't get them upset now? And everybody walks on eggshells around them because they're liable to explode. <laughs> there, there's another way that anger is sometimes dealt with, and it's, it's the flip side of this. Some people, realizing that anger outburst is inappropriate, they will instead push all of this stuff inside. They will suppress it. They bottle the anger up until it turns into depression and anxiety. And some people vent that bottled-up anger by abusing pets or children or people who can't defend themselves. Folks, if you bottle it up, it's coming out somewhere. Some way, somehow, sometime, it's coming out. So you got you got to be careful. Um, I, I want to I talk about some healthy ways to deal with it because the Scripture tells us how to appropriately deal with it. Don't you just love it when you see somebody that just seems to be under control in all situations? You can see them when they're provoked and, and they don't seem to respond like that. They just kind of, they just gotta, got it together. You seen people like that? Sure you have. I, I was... <laughs> I was thinking, you know, a lot of people in our church are blessed with that ability and that discipline, and I was thinking who would be maybe a poster child for, for um, uh, managing anger, and I thought about our, our head usher here. How many of you know our head usher, Brother Nello Thompson? You know, you know Brother Nello? Uh, he just, he seems to be just under control and just have it together and, and, uh, um, yeah. Excuse me. It's Nello Thomas. 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 What did I say? Thompson. I said Tom. I'm Thompson. Nello Thomas. Nello Thomas. Thomas. So Thomas. Okay. Thomas, yeah. Thank you for helping yeah. me. You're welcome. Could, could I get you to do me a favor? Sure. Could I? Could I get you to get get that uh, backpack over there? I need. I need to illustrate something there. Um, here, here's what happens with a lot of people. They, they press all of these feelings down, and they pack them down, and, and they just keep building in their emotions. They've got, they've got hurt from childhood that they never dealt with, and they got, uh, they got uh, wounds. Man, they, they, got, they got wounds from childhood, and they got... Uh, that's, that's, they, Would you get your hands off of me, please? What? You already corrected me one time. 
Yeah. Why, why don't you just go sit down and let me finish my sermon here? Yeah. Now, now, let me ask you a question. What was different? What caused the difference in the way I responded to him when he came up and corrected me the first time and the way I responded to him the second time? It was this, it was this baggage. It was this baggage. Some of you, the reason you can't respond appropriately is because you're still carrying around a bunch of baggage that you've never dealt with. And it's... My wife and I sometimes in counseling will refer to it, uh, will illustrate by saying it's like a, it's like a pot of, of water that you're boiling on the, on the stove. And it reaches a certain point, and it'll just boil over. And, and if you just reach up there and turn it back just a little bit, you don't have to turn it much, just turn it back a little bit, it'll cool down enough that it doesn't boil over. But it'll sit there and simmer. You don't have to turn the heat up, but just a little bit, and it'll boil over again. But if you take that pot off of the stove, turn the stove off, and let it cool completely down, and let that water cool all the way down to room temperature, put it back up there, turn the heat up again, it won't boil over. Not for a long time. It takes a long time. And some people have got so much baggage that they're like that pot of water that's simmering. And it doesn't take just a little bit. You just turn the heat up just a little bit, and, and they're just going to boil right over. And here they come with that violent reaction. And, boy, they'll eat your lunch. And, uh, you, 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 and everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. And, uh, <laughs> and so I'm going to give you this. I'm a simple preacher, so I'm going to give you a simple way to deal with anger. Okay? How many of you have taught your kids, if they happen to catch on fire, that they, whether they do, stop, drop, and roll? Because if they don't stop, if they keep running, the air, the oxygen for the air is going to make the flame more. So you've got to stop, you've got to drop, and then you roll to smother out the fire. Well, I believe I can show you from Scripture. First of all, you need to stop if you're angry. Stop. Paul, I mean, the psalmist said in Psalms 37 and 8, they're going to put the scripture up here, cease from anger and forsake wrath and do not fret. It only causes harm. Stop it. When you're angry, stop. And I've had people tell me, preacher, you don't understand. I can't help it. Yes, you can. And I'm going to show you how I know you can. You can be screaming in a fuss fight at your house and the telephone will ring and you'll say, hello. <laughs> you can stop. You can stop. If you can't stop, you've got a demon of rage and we need to cast the devil out of you. And, I, and I'm being serious here. We dealt, my wife and I, years ago with a situation where there was a spirit of rage. And thankful, this dear brother at an encounter 
was set free, was delivered from that spirit of rage. He had opened the door and allowed that spirit of rage to control him to the point that he, he was doing crazy things when he got mad. But he was delivered, set free. It saved his marriage, saved his home, saved his family, saved his life. You can stop. Amen? You can stop. Stop. Okay? Then you need to drop. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says to pray without ceasing. That means uh, for a Christian, we ought to always be in a spirit of prayer, communing with God in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us to the point that when we need to pray, we can pray. And if you get mad, you need to pray. So what you need to do, you need to stop. Don't keep raising your voice. Don't keep going. Stop. And then drop. Just physically, if you have to, get on your knees and pray. But if you can't drop to your knees, at least stop and in your mind and in your spirit, drop in prayer. And then you need to roll. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. I love these verses right here. The apostle Peter said, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Here's what you need to do with your anger. You need to roll it right over on the Lord. Amen? Casting on. Just roll it over on the Lord. Roll it over on the Lord. I've told you this story before, but let me repeat it. Many years ago, there was a missionary who was in third world country, and the terrain was terrible, and he had a, um, an SUV, uh, one of those land cruisers with four-wheel drive because there was no paved roads and he was having to deal and navigate with really some rough terrain. So he had a Land Rover that uh, he was driving. Driving between two villages and he saw this old man walking, bent over with his huge pack on his back and walking. And he recognized him and he knew he was going a long ways. He was walking to the next village. And so the missionary just pulled over and said, Sir, I'd like to give you a ride to the next village. And he said, Oh, I'd be so grateful. And he climbed up in that land cruiser, that land rover with that, and he's sitting there like this. And the missionary's driving along, looks over at him, sees him still bent over with his load. And he said, Sir, why don't you just take off your pack and lay it back there in the back seat where you can straighten up and be comfortable? He said, Oh, no, sir. I couldn't possibly ask you to do that. You've been so kind to let me ride. I couldn't ask you to carry me and my load. Now, you see, he just didn't understand. He didn't understand he was already carrying his load. And that seems comical to us. And we think, what's the matter with that man? He wasn't too smart, was he? Well, I wonder sometimes what our Heavenly Father thinks when He looks down at us and He's already having to carry us. Folks, if He wasn't carrying us, we wouldn't make it. Amen? And He's already carrying us. And we got this, we got this, big, we got this big load of garbage strapped to ourselves that we will not turn loose of. And we let God carry us, but we're afraid he can't carry us. Why don't you just roll it over on the Lord? 
Roll that anger on the Lord, whatever's causing it. Just, just, just get all of that baggage, that bitterness, that self-loathing, that poor self-image, those words from your childhood, those, all of the, oh, just take the whole bunch. I don't care who said it. Roll it over there on the Lord. You say, preacher, that's not me. Listen. I've, I've <laughs> you get some folks mad and they can quote you word for word what you said 23 and a half years ago. <laughs> Tell you verbatim. They got it in the back sack, buddy, and they can pull it out when they need it. Amen? You, you got you to gotta get rid of that stuff. We're supposed to be children of God. He wants us to have victory over that. Jesus, I mean, God said to Cain in the beginning, don't let it rule over. You rule over it. Don't let it rule over you. Get above it. Amen. My, my wife and I, when we got married, I, di- I didn't know how to be a married man. I had been single for a long time. I was living in my own house, such as it was. Uh, it wasn't much, but it, it's where I live by myself. And I had been traveling by myself for several years. And I had been, I had been my own boss for a long, long time. And I got married. And I didn't understand this thing of being one. And, and some of our discussions were really evidently pretty good, according to the neighbors. I mean... I, my voice would get loud, and I'd get angry. I'd do one of two things. I'd either, I'd either just explode, or I'd suck it all in and pout, just not speak for a few days. i show you, you know. And um, we almost didn't make it first year we were married. My, my wife, the, probably the only reason we survived is she, she said, Divorce is not an option for us, period. She's never considered divorce. She said she has considered murder a few times. (laughs) So you can see why I got into the Word to find out a way to deal with this stuff. She wasn't going to divorce me. She's going to kill me. Seriously, we, 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 had a, we had a rough start, but the grace and the mercy of God. And I'm, I'm not standing up here telling you this morning that we got it all together and we never made any mistakes and that we don't ever have any disagreements. But I will tell you this. Our conflict was so great till we came to an agreement that when, when the fist began to clench, and the muscles begin to tighten, and the neck begin to bulge, and the the voice begin to to step up in volume and tone. We we made an agreement that before we let it get out of hand, we would stop and we would pray. <laughs> I remember the first time we did it. We prayed, you know, me over here and her over there. 
And when I got down to pray, I never felt less like praying in my life. Man, I was anointed to preach. I, I felt that anointing to preach. I was, I was ready to preach, but I sure wasn't ready to pray. <laughs> she wasn't ready to listen to me preach either. But, but we prayed, and it, it wasn't a, I don't know what she prayed. I wasn't listening to her, but my prayer went something like this the first time. Dear Heavenly Father, you made me the man of this house. And my wife's got a problem. And I'd like for you to deal with her on this. <laughs> and I finally prayed on until, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of brings you around a little bit. And so I finally did get to the point. I said, Lord, if there's any chance that I could be mistaken here, would, would, would you give me some wisdom and show me where I'm wrong? And, uh, but if it's Faye, you show her where she's wrong. <laughs> you know, that prayer has not always solved our disagreement. But it does change the atmosphere. It's hard to be mad at people you pray for. And it'll change the atmosphere. Sometimes we've prayed and gotten up and be just as convinced that our, sometimes we just had to put things on hold. We've just had to agree to disagree and say, we got, we'll have to pray some more on this. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. We just have to put that, put that aside and bring it back. Now, don't put it aside and stuff it under the rug because if you do, eventually you're going to be tripping over the rug because you're going to get a lot of piled up under there. But sometimes you just have to put something off till there's a time when you can sit down with cool head and a cool heart and having prayed over it, bring to the table and talk about it in a civil kind of way. Listen, folks. I, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but God's been dealing my heart all week about this. And, and I know that somebody here needs this. Maybe a lot of somebody's here needs this. And maybe I need to hear it more. I, I don't know. Uh, usually when I preach, I get, the Holy Spirit gets me and then I get you and kind of, kind of the way it goes. But, but, but I do know this. I know this, folks. With all the hatred and all of the division that's going on in our society and in our culture and the way the devil's trying to set race against race and, and, and people against people and, and groups against groups and husbands against wives and wives against husbands and children against parents and parents against children and, and on and on and on. There is a satanic attack on our culture today to divide us and separate us. But we as blood-bought children of God need to stand up and be an example in this day of what it looks like to live like our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We need to make a difference, and our homes need to be different. And the way we get along needs to be different. And we sure, as parents, need to be showing our children that there's a proper way to love 
our companion and respect our companion and learn to be one with our companion and edify each other and encourage each other and build each other up in love and do what Paul said a while ago, be tenderhearted one to another and, and be careful as we deal with one another and regard one another's feelings and, and try by the blessed of the God's help within us to, to bring up a family that will say, Jesus lives in this household and he's Lord of this family. Praise the Lord. Will you stand with me, please? I want our prayer team to come quickly and any staff that we've got here help us this morning, any grow group leaders or board members, or we, we, we need, I, I'm, I'm just believing that God is going to touch a lot of hearts today. We just had an overflow at the altar, the first service. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart today, there, there's some of you just simply, you've been tormented by the devil long enough. And folks, listen to me. If you don't deal with this stuff, it, it, it moves into bitterness and unforgiveness. And if you don't think that'll hurt you, read Matthew chapter 18 when you get home. And you'll see that God allows tormenting spirits to, to have it their way with you when you don't deal with unforgiveness and resentment and hatred and, and jealousy and envy and strife and all of that stuff. You open yourself up. He has a legal right to torment you. And some of you have been tormented and some of you are being tormented by those evil spirits today and you just need to stop. You just need to say right here on the 15th of November in 2015, this stops in my house. The devil does not have a right to torment me anymore because I'm going to drop to my knees before the Lord and I'm going to roll this care over on the Lord Jesus and I'm going to give this up to him and all of that, I forgive everybody just like God forgave me. When you do, you close the door to those tormenting spirits and they don't have a right to come at you any longer. You can resist them and refuse them and like God told Cain, you can rule over the top of that. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The altar's open. I'm going to invite you to come. If you need to give your heart to Jesus, come this morning. If you're away from God, come on home. If you've got other problems, needs, sick in body, or you need a, a job or whatever you need, I don't know what your needs are, but I believe that many of you here this morning say, Preacher, the, the Word has spoken to me today, and I'm going to deal with the anger issue I'm going to deal with it this morning. Maybe you want somebody to join you and agree with you in prayer. Maybe you just want to come and find a place, just you and God. But will you bring it to the Lord today and just roll it over on him and say, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. I, I'm, I'm going to find a new place in the Lord Jesus where I can stand with strength and with the peace of God that passes understanding. God bless you as you respond.